0: Columbia Pictures takes you beyond the future to a universe you've never seen before. A universe of mystery. You see a universe now, of sexual About fantasies. Like a universe of terrifying evil. Heavy metal. Featuring the music of Black Sabbath, Cheap Trick, Devo, Donald Fagan, Don Felder, Grand Funk Railroad, Sammy Hagar, Journey, Nazareth, Stevie Nicks, Riggs, and Crust. Heavy metal. Rated R. Coming soon to a theater near you.
1: We are uh we're breaking some new ground here at Reconation because we're going animation. All right, this is exciting first time first Let's time do it. in four and a half years five, wow, what how many years are we? On? We're on many years. we're in our fifth in, season, fifth season it's rocketing towards season six. yeah I've never done animation until today. How about that? Yeah, why why, why why, the pause? Why the delay?
0: It just, so many, you know, there's a lot movies. of movies. Yeah, there's
1: too many movies. We just haven't, uh, it just hasn't happened. But, you know, we realized it. And I was thinking, I said, said to myself, Self, when we're, if we're going to do, do animation, it really should be something with John Candy. So at first, I thought maybe Camp Candy, should we cover that? Or was there something else maybe? It's ABC uh, animated tv yeah, show. We got a, yeah i think we got a pivot camp candy
2: i don't think I don't think many of our listeners have ever even heard of that
1: i know, I'm, yeah uh, me being one of them <laughs> you've never seen or heard of camp candy
2: well i've heard of it after researching for this podcast <laughs> where we were gonna uh but no prior to that i had not uh
1: camp candy was a uh fantastic saturday morning uh cartoon really kind of in the the tail end of uh of uh, Saturday morning cartoons, and I think the early '90s. But, but uh, I saw it.
3: I liked it. Yeah, I, I liked John Candy at the uh, then, and I was excited to see him invade my Saturday morning cartoons. Well, I must have missed it.
1: Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about Camp Candy. We are talking about 1981's Heavy Metal. Welcome to a brand new episode of Reconsideration. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at. Some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And we're checking out how they hold up today. And uh, like we were just talking about, brand new ground here uh, with, uh, with animation and heavy metal. Heavy metal. All right. Uh, so, so yeah. Let, yeah this, there's a lot to say about this movie. <laughs> what, let's start off with... You know, maybe everyone, maybe there are people listening that haven't, that barely remember, maybe never heard of Heavy Metal. So what is, what is Heavy Metal?
3: Uh, Well, Heavy Metal is a, uh, a animated anthology film, uh, heavy and sci-fi and fantasy. So it's a, it's a segments of, of, of created by different animators and designers with different, uh, different stories going on. Um, almost like a, an anthology magazine or you know a periodical. Uh, the, and it's uh, but there is a through line, like sort of a loose plot of where the the, uh, the Lochner, sum right. of all evils. Yes. Wanar yes. sort of re- tells the story to the one girl that has the power to defeat him to show her why she she, she cannot. And we basically like he, we basically watch all of the stories from that Lachnar was involved in one of infinite, uh, or you know, a dozen, there was about eight or nine that are a a part of an infinite number of stories. And it's, it's, uh, that's what it is. That's the movie.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's heavy, heavy in sci fi fantasy, like you said, also uh, in gratuitous uh, uh, nudity and lots of it and uh animated gore uh not for kids this is not toy story ladies and gentlemen not this a
3: children's movie not uh, for kids
2: and with that i mean what's
3: uh you know there are there's there's a plethora of of uh of things that you see in the movie and i guess we i mean I, it's not like we're going to devote a lot of time to them but like you know what's i mean i guess we could say breasts is that we're gonna say we're gonna say there's big breasts in the movie but what if can we say can we say boobs is that just like is that not a is that inappropriate like oh and our big boobs because it's just a fun
1: word if you Uh, want to say boobs david you go ahead and say boobs because i mean and i know you
3: i know you could get into like you know the degradation of women or whatever and all of that but like boobs is a fun word you know kids say it right (laughs) <laughs> they sure <Is> it, do <laughs> Do so, and then you feel free to bleep this don't cut it but bleep them
1: now David she, you're starting to go down a road here that okay. I, I'm afraid of where it's going but we, so you, don't you, say you know, we, <laughs> it's, it's you know it's the
2: early 80s which is uh, pretty well known and we've talked about on this podcast before uh, some of the some of the films of that time and how uh, you know nudity was a thing that they liked to feature quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there was quite often uh topless women whether necessary or not. It was pretty prevalent uh at this point in time, but Yeah. Um going just rewinding just a little bit. So that's what heavy metal this movie is about, but it's actually based on a comic. Uh it was an American sci-fi and fantasy comic that started in 1977, which was based. That was based on a French comic called Metal Herland. Uh, And it was actually discovered by the producers of uh, from National Lampoon's, uh, which was Sean Kelly and Tony Hendra, who actually discovered uh, Tony Hendra, by the way, is plays the manager in uh, this is Spinal Tap. So Spinal Tap fans would know who he is. Uh, but they kind of came across uh, Metal Hurlant and saw a uh, a way that they could just start making this uh, in America and kind of do the same thing and actually take a lot of those existing stories and reprint them uh, in, as an American comic. But definitely adult, definitely explicit. It's very, um, you know, it's similar to like, the you know, those old Frank Frazetta uh, animated like Conan the barbarian kind of like comic book covers very much in that kind of world um <laughs> so but yeah definitely not for kids very violent very sexual um gratuitous so uh but yeah and then this movie was a the movie version of that comic book so and and there's there's some heavy heavy hitters involved with this movie and it was surprising I remember being very surprised the first time I saw this that to see some of the names attached and hear the voices who were involved with it and not really, you know, not really um, pairing those performers with something explicit like this. But yeah, it's interesting.
2: Were they I mean, we're going to get into the cast, I'm sure. But like some of the heavy hitters you're talking about, were they big in the early 80s? Was it well, yeah, mid, by that point mid-ingless? in the
1: in the comedy world, yeah, they were they were they were, you know, uh SCTV was going, you know, Stripes was this same year, so mm. um you know, they were I not none of them were at their peak yet, but they were definitely definitely around. And it's hard yeah. to know when they actually like recorded this. I mean, it's released in 81, but they could have recorded this stuff in 79, maybe even as early as 78, depending. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why are we covering this movie? Was it? It's my fault, isn't it?
3: <laughs> you have you've been dying to cover it. I
1: think I
2: think I requested w- that we do an animated uh, an animated movie <laughs> at some point, and we kind of all agreed that we we're going to steer away from some of the more popular nineteen nineties fair uh like toy stories and pixar movies and things like that and yeah. so this one came up i mean this movie's it's interesting cuz it's a bit of a cult classic but
1: uh, no it, it absolutely came... is i mean it's definitely it's definitely a cult classic
2: yeah I, it came out in the 80s i didn't even hear about it until the mid 90s though
1: yeah yeah cuz well, there's a reason for that
2: yeah yeah which i will talk about for sure but accessibility being being the reason but yeah it was it was uh there was lore attached to it in 96 when I did start hearing about it. And I think, I think that fits into to our jam here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely the kind of movie that, that disappeared for a long time, came back, got a cult status. And uh, you know, now it's, uh, I'm not sure where it is now. So that's, I, you know, when you said you wanted to do an animated film, this was the first one that popped in my head, mm-hmm. whether you, Knowing that we may not like this movie anymore, or we may have issues with it, um, it's still a fascinating thing to look at.
0: How it's, it's inter-
1: aged,
2: for sure. You know what is funny? Like, because we've had this conversation. Like, I did not like this movie when I saw it in the '90s when it was first when I first was introduced to it. Going back and rewatching it now, though, like there are still parts of it that I think are total garbage, but I enjoyed more of it than I remember enjoying when I was younger. Like there's a couple uh, stories in here, part of the anthology that I'm like, oh, that's really good. And one that like really surprised me that I didn't even remember, but it's probably my favorite one. And I know we're going to go and we're going to talk through each one individually, but yeah, yeah. but, but yeah, I was, I was shocked because I was like dreading, honestly dreading, like (laughs) going back and having to watch this for the podcast. And, and like, I put it off and, and then uh, as I watched it, I was like, wow, you know what? I like this a lot more than I thought I would.
1: Interesting, interesting yeah. to hear. So, yeah, that's, yeah, and again, that's part of why we're looking at these again to see, you know, how has our point of view changed and our perspective on these movies? And are there some that we exa- most of the ones we did like and maybe now, you know, do we still like them? And th- this is kind of the reverse, I guess, for you. So um uh-huh. Let's yeah. So when was the let's get into it? When was the first time you heard about um, heavy metal, Brent?
2: Uh, It was it was you know I think it was re released on video in '96, and I was working at a Video Impact at the time, and that was really it. But like when it was released, I think that they had I think it had re released the year before on. HBO or it had been it had been available on like cable but I didn't have cable at the time you know but I had started to hear about it some of my friends had talked about it and then really it came out on video when I was at the video store and that was the first time I really paid attention to it or seen it or or kind of had any real idea about what it what it was because I totally missed it in like 81 and then I think it also aired on HBO like in the mid 80s and whatever but i missed it completely at that time and it wasn't until you know i was in high school and and working uh that i came across it
1: yeah that's uh and i want to come back to i want to come back to like where animation was what was happening in the the, the you know genre of animation in the sure. early 80s but yeah interesting very very similar uh similar to my discovery of it but david what about you is this a First time watch or had you seen it?
3: No, I'd seen it. Um I uh I feel like I saw it a boot I saw a bootleg of it in 94, 95. My buddy, uh Jason, who who could find who could have access to such things. And um I, I think I think so. It's I, cause I think it was before cause then it then I think it came out on VHS or whatever. And I was like, Oh man, I've seen, I've seen that, <laughs> like the, but I had also had heard of the magazine or whatever. And uh, cause I think that was still running at that time.
1: Yeah. I think it's actually still and, like, going now, it's st-
3: still going now. So I'd seen, I'd seen that cover. And so I was like, they made a heavy metal movie in like 1981 What? Like, and so we watched it. I don't, I don't know if we watched the whole thing. Cause I remember, like I didn't get it. Like I didn't understand. I didn't understand what was going on. Like I, what was the like what the point of it was. So it was a little. Was, I remember not liking it. So I don't know if we even bothered to finish. I might have been like, dude, I don't want to watch this. You can watch it. I don't care. But <laughs> um, I think that feels like something that would have. I'm happened. tapping
1: out. It, I'm, it, I'm done. It doesn't feel like a very David kind of movie.
3: Well, it's just and and it's weird because John Candy's playing a teenager who turns into like the the most ripped adonis and talking about having sex with girls and stuff and it's just like what am i this is weird like it's just you know so you know juxtapose like being a john candy fan he probably recently died by the time i'd seen it uh and then you know i had watched that cap candy i knew him from sctv so well all that stuff and it's not like that is like that it it was like the you know the style of 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 the art and all of that the, the music just none of this was like in my wheelhouse at all and didn't get it didn't know what i was in for so it was a plethora of just like and i wasn't interested to go further um but yeah i mean other things flashed like so i think i might have i might have finished it or i wasn't paying as much attention but um and then that was it. That was the last time. And then, uh, you know, watched it for, for this, of course. So, um, yeah. And I definitely have a different feel for it today
1: Mm -hmm. than I did then. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to dig into it in a second. Yeah. I saw it on, I swear it was on TNT. Um, I, I feel like it was TNT. Maybe it was USA, but it was the middle of the night. It was probably, I don't know. 12.30, 1am on like a Friday night. And I want to say it was 92. It could have been 93 or maybe early 94. But I was just going through the channels and just stopped on. um, It was on the Captain Stern segment (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh, was just like, whoa, what is what is this? And then, you know, pretty quickly you get, you know, either violence or something sexual happening in this movie so uh i was john was like, hooked i was hooked i was in that's all i need
3: <laughs> lizard dudes killing each other what do you mean, and
1: at and the, uh, at this point what am i watching that's animated i'm watching batman the animated series i'm watching x men
3: yeah yeah no this you is know. like it, this is a totally like new experience like it's yeah. like it's very intriguing to that yeah. degree of like what the hell like just that sci-fi pulpy style to it all and all that like it's it's definitely something you yeah you haven't seen before yeah
1: (laughs) and it was and and Brent like you were talking about it was completely unavailable so I saw this and I I think I didn't even know what the name of it was it was just like so you know I saw a few segments and then I think I just it was so late I fell asleep but um and then like a couple more years went by and I was like what is that thing that I saw like I have no way you know pre-internet really like no real way to track it down.
0: Well, and I feel than- like it's
1: because of that, that
2: like the whole cult status of it grew, right? You yeah. know, like those who don't have access, then it's like the retelling of the story exactly. from yeah. from your friend who saw it as a bootleg copy from a kid that went to a Comic Con or whatever, you know. Yeah. And it's like, like that's how that's how you heard about it. But yeah, like it wasn't airing very many places.
1: No, and when it did, it was really late at night and unadvertised. You know, it just was thrown on there for um, programming. But uh, yeah. but then I came across it. I was I was out in California visiting my uncle, summer of '96, the legendary summer for me, yep. and uh, doing a little laserdisc shopping, and boom, there it was. Yeah. You know, with Tarna right on the cover, I'm like, "Oh my god, this is the movie." And I yeah. bought it right there.
2: Well, in 96 it released on laserdisc and VHS. Exactly and that's when it was yeah.
1: accessible. Yeah. Wow. And it was and it was really and we'll talk about the music. I think I think the best way to cover this movie is to just go segment by segment. We'll talk about yeah. you know, who wrote it, what is what what works, what doesn't, and the soundtrack because the soundtrack is if you're like a 70s rock fan, like this is a great soundtrack it's so Truth. many yeah. cheap trick blue oyster cult stevie nicks you know sammy hagar well and that's uh,
2: also the thing the soundtrack only released once like when it first released uh, and then they didn't re-release it until later like yeah. similar to the movie so yeah. Yeah. but
1: yeah but uh yeah so and then i you know i, I was really well, if I say I, I I loved it, but I was so fascinated with with the style of animation, the rotoscope, and which which we should talk about too, um, you know, and just it being an adult you know animated movie that was the only time I had seen it at that point. So uh, it was probably maybe twenty years ago at this point that I kind of watched it from a different perspective, and it started to wear on me, and felt you know. The sexualization of everything was felt just too much, and I, I kind of I ejected it from my collection after that. But, but this is the first time seeing it since then. So,
3: huh? huh.
1: How how long ago would you say you got rid of it? Uh I probably got rid of it two thousand six. Mm. All right. So yeah,
3: I'm sure. It's it's in a love someone else's loving care.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Some laser disc fanatic.
3: Someone had <laughs> held it.
1: Should have held on to it. I know. Uh, okay, so animation in 1981. What what's happening here? Where where what movies are coming out? I feel like we're in
2: it's not a good time in animation in the US, right? Yeah. So like it's it's kind of a low point. The early 80s especially are kind of a low point, right? So um you know Disney's kind of the main animated ha- animation house in the, in the United States. At that time in the 80s, like a lot of the people that were kind of part of that golden era of of Disney and animation had left. Like people probably heard of the nine old men like uh they they had taken off um and and they hadn't really handed off the skills or the know-how to to kind of the next generation to to carry it forward right and so that wasn't a little bit till later until kind of the mid 80s that that started to happen with like mark davis at the california institute so ollie johnston and frank thomas mm-hmm. right had written an animated book or a book on animation called the illusions of life in 1981 and that was probably the biggest thing in 1981 for animation to come out of that year because it's kind of looked at as the most quintessential um book in in the teachings of animation and how to how to draw like movement and life and things like that and so uh, in 81 like none of that stuff was happening you didn't Mm -hmm. have anybody with those skills and so that's why like in this movie they went to something uh you know a style uh called rotoscoping you know because it's it's like for those who don't know what rotoscoping is it's essentially like tracing over live action film images and to give it more kind of like realistic uh kind of movement and life and things like that right and so uh this movie is done in rotoscoping uh there wasn't much else happening in 81 as far as animation is concerned i mean Disney came out with uh, the Fox and the Hound, I think was that year. Yeah. Um, television animation had come become really formulaic or just kind of a commercial of, you know, I mean, I think there's a couple animated shows that John and I would at least agree were we, we're fans of. I mean, at that time, you got, you know, around that time is when He-Man and Transformers and, and um, you know, G.I. Joe were coming out. But those are all just like, really elaborate ploys to sell toys. Right. And so, um
1: yeah. And you've got, I think at this point you've got like super friends, the justice league, like Scooby-Doo, those you are got all some of that stuff, you got, yeah.
2: you've got Smurfs and like Snorks and stuff like yeah. that, but that's like coming out of like, that's actually European, um, you know, and, and, and it's coming from a, from France. And so, you know, like U S animation though, is just really like kind of at a, at a, real bending point and and it wouldn't be until uh like mark davies uh started that teaching at at the california art institute uh in you know and, and teaching like kind of that next generation of animators before the u.s would kind of come into like a, a renaissance mm-hmm. of animation and so um you know there's a ton of people that came out of out of uh the art institute at that time Uh, and you can still see like in most movies that come out now, they still pay homage to like Mark Davis and, uh, his classroom, which is a one thirteen, which you'll see like in all sorts of stuff, you know, like Brad Bird was in his class and, and several others. And so, um, you know, you see a lot of the Pixar stuff now and you still see like kind of, uh, um, Easter eggs about it, but, but, uh, yeah, really nothing happening other than that. Quite well, different than what's happening like in Japan. Cause at that time, like Japan is kicking it off. Like anime and, and manga and all that stuff is like really, really hugely popular and growing and and stuff like that. But US animation was really in a dead spot.
1: Yeah, I think one of the only animated animation film directors is Ralph Bakshi, who you know had come out with Wizards in 77 and then Lord of the Rings in 78 and American Pop which is probably I think his more famous of of all of his projects was uh, was also 1981 but well, he did the but, hobbit too right he did the hobbit yeah also yeah. yeah yeah um yeah and then later on does uh does cool world which That's maybe right. we'll cover <laughs> one day but uh <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's really, yeah, not a lot. And Disney's changed so much, you know, a lot of their classic hits are long gone and they're, they're kind of going through that sword in the stone, black cauldron, you know, through from the late sixties and through the seventies and into the early eighties and wouldn't really return to form. And I'm not saying anything negative about those movies they are just kind of a different level than what is it? Sleeping, that's uh, like Beauty and the Beast in like 91, I think, and Aladdin and then Lion King. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when they kind of hit their stride again. But yeah, yeah, for sure. But we're kind of between phases there. So, uh, yeah, definitely an interesting time in, in animation. And, um, you know, at the same time, we have this group of Canadian filmmakers, uh, one of which being Ivan Reitman, who whose career is really on the rise so it's just it's fascinating that he was attracted to a project like this but i think the link now looking back on it is really national lampoon
2: sure yeah so
1: you know sean kelly being the one really uh taking the lead on this project and is probably how it ended up with getting in right Re- ivan reitman's court but what's what's ivan reitman doing at this point you know he he'd been around i think we've Uh, you know, we've covered his involvement on National Lampoon's Animal House, right? Yeah,
3: we've this is the second time Ivan Reitman's with us as a producer uh, on the show, right?
2: Yes, yeah,
3: we haven't done meatballs yet, so not Not yet. Uh, And you know, I mean, we'll get there. I mean, let's (laughs) let's give it time, but you know, he uh, he was staying busy like producing in Canada, like you know, and uh, this is. Because this is what a few years before National Lampoons, uh, no, this or, excuse is... me, right, or no, Animal House is seventy eight. So this yeah. is a couple of years right after that, right? So, the, so he's already now like a big breakout, like breakout yes. producer,
1: yeah, um, with this stuff. So uh, and Stripes is this, you know, you know, hits the hits theaters this same year,
3: same year, right? So you know, he had already been, you know, he would already produced a couple of Cronenberg movies prior to all that. So his star was always on the rise. You know, working in in local. um media and then
1: and he brings on so reitman brings on gerald potterton to direct who you know his most famous uh piece at this point was yellow submarine have you guys have you guys seen that that's the blue the blue meanies yeah Yeah. i haven't seen it in forever but that is a it's a it's a bizarre movie i've I've only seen
2: it once in college with uh a little ex-roommate uh poe miller
1: Mm. Uh, he brought Little that into po. the house.
2: Yeah. Poe, if you're listening, reach out, man. i been trying to find you, buddy.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he is. yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet he is. I bet this is on his top downloads. <laughs> uh, yeah, Yellow Submarine is great. I actually, another movie I'd like to cover someday. but um, yeah, so Gerald Potterton comes on, so very experienced director to try to take, you know, shape all these different stories that are being written by. Daniel Goldberg and Len Blum, who, uh, you know, especially Daniel Goldberg goes on to become an absolutely huge uh, screenwriter. So, uh, you know, throughout the the 2000s and and now still, he's like he wrote the Hangover movies and he'd written uh, old school. So staying in the comedy world, but, you know, very active all the way through, you know, Space Jam, Private Parts uh F- father's day who could forget that yeah road
2: trip that's <laughs> yeah. another favorite
1: oh yeah road trip yeah, yeah. so Junior. you know yep so you you can see kind of a through line in in some of those movies but uh but still like big projects and and uh you're pretty much getting a start um with this and stripes and meatballs so all of it is, you know, the Ivan Reitman camp is is fully, you know, controlling this movie. Even in the sound, even in the uh, the music. I mean, like this movie sounds like Stripes. It sounds like Ghostbusters because of the score by Elmer Bernstein. Mm-hmm. So there's there's like music cues in here that I'm like, oh man, that's that's almost right out of Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah.
3: There's there's like, yeah there's this like. It it, it, in this, in the vein of not keeping like keeping this a super serious movie, like this is this is supposed to be fun and funny throughout, you know, (laughs) like this is uh, it's like that put those these pulpy stories with these like exaggerated characters, and everything is exaggerated, including the uh, the uh, you know, the. The, the big shapely uhness of, of, of our characters.
1: Yes. Uh you know <laughs> very you want to de- say boobs again? Where you I did, from? I did. He I does. does.
3: He does. There's no boob smaller than like a, a double G uh <laughs> in on any any woman. No, it's it's very it's like very <laughs> it's very purposefully adolescent, like, like, adolescent. Yeah. Like yeah it's Fantasy. adolescent.
0: Like
3: <laughs> what what would you what would you want to have uh you wanted to be if you were reading a heavy metal magazine under the covers with your flashlight, what would you be seeing? Well, let's put it, let's animate it on screen. Has anybody ha- seen and-
2: a heavy metal magazine? Has
1: any-
3: I've never have, owned one.
1: I've never owned one. I've seen them. I saw them on the rack. So all, all
3: yeah. the time in my convenience store, uh, Turkey Hill. Was there, Hill back was, the
1: there was there that same
2: sort of gratuitous, like kind of nudity and over like, there's a sexual component. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. For sure. I've it was, never, it was seen seen at one, the top
1: shelf. It was in the top shelves. It was top shelf. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So,
3: like, you know, and like moments of, like, you know, uh, and we'll talk about it, but in one of the segments, you know, the woman in the backseat of the cab and, you know, you see her, her, you know, her undergarments because of mm-hmm. the way she's mm-hmm. laying. And it's like, mm-hmm. ha ha ha. Like, you know, but these funny little things that, like, you know a kid would be laughing at and then <laughs> it's almost like but it's just, i don't know it's weird It's well, is it like what? is it because not the, the kids are not the intended audience but it's, it's to yeah. activate the kid part of your brain i think yeah. like well that's what i mean yeah. it's like it's it's funny because it's so like you know i don't know it's it's juvenile <laughs> it, it <laughs> it's,
1: is it's it's And that's the thing I think that turned me off, you know, in whatever 2006, when I started to get kind of angry at the movie, that like, it feels like, you know, when I was a teenager, yeah, it was fun, like, and I really enjoyed watching it. But as as an adult, I was like, No, like, this feels like it was written by, you know, no offense to anybody making the movie, but it feels like it was written by teenage boys, like it's a teenage boy fantasy, you've got you know, naked ladies running around who just want who are dying to have sex with the lead male character, aliens, robots, uh, you know, a lot of proving your masculinity. So all all issues that teenage boys specifically are uh, is pretty much on their minds, especially the robots.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I Um, would say that that still is pretty much in line with how like 80s like comedy filmmaking was in general right like they're all adolescent and all like little kids who just like saw their first playboy and were like like you know or or got their first kiss and like just hit you know like that curious age and just like we're over like overdoing it because of their kind of youthful curiosity about all this stuff but also just this weird gratuitous sexuality that they wanted to kind of just put out there on everything
1: well the 80s that's such especially the the early part of the 80s was that that's what was so fascinating about it that that was the first decade where it was really okay to show and talk about these sexual thoughts and feelings like whether they're appropriate or not uh you know after the you know, filmmaking and the, the Hayes Code and and all of that from the, the 40s and 50s and into the 60s, where, you know, you could just basically show people kissing. And that was pretty much as far as you could take it. And then the 1970s and the new Hollywood wave comes and suddenly, you know, the gloves are off and you can get a lot more explicit with things sexually, graphically, uh, thematically. And things get darker and then the 80s swing sort of the other direction of like, now we can have, now we're just going to have a good time and we're going to be open about our, we're finally going to like let it out all our sexual repression here. So, um, you know, how many 80s comedies are all about sex?
3: Right. right. A, lot of, a lot of, a lot of just sex, sex romps. Yeah. <laughs> lots, lots Panty lot. raids. So many yeah. panty raids. Tons, tons of
1: them. Tons of, well, I was um, I, I was uh, I was so I follow on on Facebook a uh, WPIX uh, page where WPIX was the local Channel Eleven uh, East Coast uh, station, and someone took has archives of what aired every day for like decades on end. Oh, wow. and every day they post, you know, multiple, you know, what whatever day they day they have from like. 1960 or 1982 or whatever and there was a day and i think it was 1991 it was a saturday that it, the entire day was just sexual movies sexual 80s movies like casual sex and you know sorority like sex kittens or something and this was like saturday afternoon in 1991 really? there oh and, yeah it was uh hilarious but anyway
3: were they like blur out or z- z- zoom like Zoom in uh, so you yeah. don't see any nudity. I mean, yeah. they, they cut all the language. Yeah. And then they're cutting entire segments for time. It's yeah. like, cool. Like, this is like, this is the fun you want to have on a
1: Saturday. <laughs> like, but, but heavy metal is like 1981. So it's a very much on the early side of all that, but doing the same thing. So it's one of the first yeah. real examples of like, and probably the National Lampoon's group is also, I, I guess, maybe starting with Animal House and then continuing here. But certainly with with meatballs and stripes and, and this that you get that heavy sexual influence.
3: Right. Well, and it and it, it, this can really only come from comedians or comedic mindsets because it is like it's it in terms of like being this effective, like it's intentionally funny and juvenile and like you know, and I think that this well, it's a teenage fantasy. Well, it's like a teenage fantasy for like these kind of guys. Like it's very teenage boy fantasy, you know, it's like it's a, a certain segment of the population but um i would say like that are yeah i identify with that or but i mean i think there's probably some nugget of something and even if you're not like that like that mind that uh i don't know that juvenile about mm-hmm. things or, or whatever and um but it is like there the i like that it's like i like that it's a little too a little gratuitous and over the top. It's a it's a rebellious act to see that to like to make this movie. I think it's almost like let's just have fun and, and yeah, make her make her boobs bigger here. Like probably right. Like what are the notes? Right? What are the story words Like yeah, you know, and uh, all that. So it's like and the violence and it's you know death. And not every story's got um, booze, but it's got gr- but it's got grotesque murder, uh you know, or something like that. So it's, it's one like, or the other, or so both. it's like and there's like a, so there's like a hundred monsters killing people per chick on on the screen uh per chick by the way one of my favorite characters from fiddler on the roof uh <laughs> and uh yeah so it's just like it's it's got a lot going on at all times uh, on purpose and, and as an older adult than i was when i when i was a teen young teen to see it i i see the difference yeah. um, of of what was going on
1: so watching it now, um, you know, how did we feel about it? Did, uh, did it, it sounds like you guys were a little, were going in with an expectation of really hating it and maybe it didn't quite hit that. Maybe there were, there were parts of it, uh, you enjoyed, and we're going to get into segment by segment in one, in one second. But what do you think overall?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's exactly, I mean, I already, I already said it, but yeah, that's exactly right. Like I, was really dreading it like I just was not stoked to watch this movie same and and I think that I mean we're about to get into it but like uh minus the kind of introduction there's a couple like kind of introduction clips but I really like elements of the Harry Canyon thing and Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. that that I think paired with the fact that we just finished like noir Vember not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And it's got a real heavy noir element, like to a T, like the formula of noir at the beginning, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, I'm like, Oh dude, this is all right, cool. I can get into it. And I got more into the nature of the anthology aspect of it. And once I kind of like freed myself up to do that like i did enjoy this much more than i than i thought i would i still think there's more crap than there is good but i definitely enjoyed it more than i thought i was going to and mm-hmm. uh specifically a couple of them i really really liked
3: yeah i'm like the same way i was i was not looking forward to watching this like you know it's you know just all i could recall is the the how i felt about it the first time was just sort of a negative like yeah i'm not going to be into this um but you know seeing it and then honestly for its artistry and uh and understanding i think a little better of what they're trying to accomplish and what's the point of doing something like this it's like well people don't publish people weren't publishing these things or uh you know so you have those magazines that are read by a very specific segment of the population and then so you end making a film in that way and making it animated and making it in different styles and like and bringing in lots of different creators to do it like i think that was such a, like a bold project it is it's like making your own magazine but it's like um and they, they brought it to life and uh yeah there's definitely like parts i don't like at all and parts i could do without and segments i segments i wouldn't need to watch again although and like i don't really want to watch this movie again in the future i could think but i would think i would i would watch certain segments of it again just because mm-hmm. of how they were done so
2: yeah it's funny when i finished watching it this time i was actually excited to to kind of watch the sequel so heavy metal 2000 <laughs> which i know we're also going to talk about but like it kind of i don't know it gave me the momentum to to give that one a shot
1: did which... did you do it or you are you going to do it soon no i did it i did,
2: did it. it all right yeah it's garbage <laughs> but
1: it's it's
0: it's totally
2: different it's not an anthology it's like yeah. it's all one long story it, it really has nothing to do with any Thing that we see in this, there's no like Lockner tie line or anything like that. It's like yes. totally.
3: Why would you not do it in the style of a well, you know, a heavy like metal a l- magazine? <laughs> like
1: a lot of things that use the word 2000 in their title. Yeah, Yeah. <clears throat> I'm looking at you, Blues Brothers 2000. Uh, it's a <laughs> yeah. swing and a miss, but uh... it's
2: just a. It was just a like a a really cheap ploy to to draw audiences in at the turn of the the century, right? Yeah. So, yeah,
3: it was it's garbage. So futuristic.
1: Yeah, Michael Ironsides does a voice. Michael Ironside, that... Julie Strain, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Other than that, uh,
2: yeah, pass, hard pass. Ooh, hard pass.
1: <laughs> yeah, for me watching, the, there was, it was such a mix because there were some things I really, really liked about it. And some, the same issues that bumped me, you know, years ago, still bump me. Um, it's you know it it stands out I think it, it's it ages the movie you know pretty badly whereas mm-hmm. you know the, the good things aren't going to lift it aren't good enough to lift it above it but I really m- probably my favorite thing is is the voice of Percy Rodriguez as the Lochnar. And and uh, he is you know a, a legendary he's he's not trailer guy but he's like trailer guy number two so <laughs> um, you can recognize his voice uh, he does the trailer for
0: Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss, Jaws. See it before you go swimming. Plane, trains, and automobiles. Night of the Creeps. If you scream,
1: you're dead. Great trailers from the 80s and early 90s. Very distinct voice. Um, so it was cool to see him and he was an actor too, before he got into doing pretty much strictly voice work. So yeah, uh, very, very perfectly cast as that, as that voice for the Lochnar here, but, um, and I think there's, there's segments that work and some that don't. So, um, let's, let's just dive in, let's hit him segment by segment, uh, starting with the opening, uh, sequence. Which was, I think, really just the opening credit sequence, Soft Landing. Yeah. Um, I like this. I I think it starts out pretty good. It's just this uh, astronaut basically like... (laughs)
2: Jumping off a ship in his
1: Corvette. (laughs) Yeah, in his Corvette and riding down... on a space
2: drive. Yeah,
1: and riding down to Earth while uh, Radar Rider by Riggs, the excellent band Riggs, um, is is playing and just kind of getting the tone set for the movie and... Getting, the, I think it's doing does a good job of getting that energy level right of yeah. what you're settling in for. Yeah. Well, you do, and I feel like
2: the rotoscope here has a very like it, it. And this was before MTV, but like when I saw the rotoscoping here, it took me right back to like some of those old like MTV astronaut like uh, uh, promos, and I was like, oh, okay, this feels familiar. Like I'm like, all right, I can like i'm i'm settling in here like i can i I can get into this yeah there's yeah, a we,
3: comfort to the animation style and the color and like the the visual effects and like yeah. and, and and like the 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 really rough title sequencing like i mean is that that that's got a is that a hand-drawn when they did the logo like with the flight or was that do you think that's like a computer that's not computer no i don't think in 81 it's
2: not going to be computers yeah it's not, it's computers, not, so. not computer yeah, yeah.
3: But you, I, yeah, like it feels like the MTV sort of generation. Like, oh, yeah. like this looks yeah. visually very familiar and comfortable. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And that that segment was written by Dan O'Bannon, who you know we've talked about before multiple times. Wrote Alien, direct, uh, directed Return of the Living Dead. So uh, big fans of Dan O'Bannon. And it's got that, and it's got that flavor of of his. Uh, and he he wrote a couple of segments here, but. Yeah. yeah,
2: he, uh, he, one of my favorites is, is one that he wrote, which yeah, I think is more, which I think is probably more in line with his alien work and stuff. Absolutely.
1: Like yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. So the soft landing, you know, follows this, this astronaut, really. We assume he's an astronaut as he comes down to Earth and lands and like, what, at his house, basically?
2: Yeah. His, his farmhouse. Yeah.
1: In the yeah. middle of nowhere. But, mm-hmm. um, and this is uh this segment is titled Grimaldi and it, this is really where we we frame the story of he's coming home he opens this yeah. you know this case of what he discovered out in space
2: yeah it's supposed it, to be a gift for his daughter it yeah. immediately eradicates him yeah and, this green and,
1: gl- glow this green like green orb that yeah. immediately disintegrates him
2: yeah and then and then proceeds to I don't know, like kind of. I don't want to say hypnotize, but entrance the daughter and starts to give kind of the history of the lachnar and and the what is it? What do they say? The the greatest evil or the evil some yeah. of all evils? Some of all evils, yeah. And uh, you know,
3: and it's across all time and all galaxies and yeah. all. It has know, existed universes.
2: forever. It will exist from
1: forever. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So he, he's like coming to brag that he can't die. He can't be destroyed. Evil she,
1: can't die.
3: But she yeah. has a power that she's not aware of.
1: And uh, and we'll, know, uh yeah. We'll come around to that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so yeah. that leads to the next segment. And not all of them are like some of them connect and some of them don't. So right. But but the connection here, the through line is that this is all kind of
2: what we're seeing then from this point forward is within each story. It's like the lock we're assuming Lachnar is telling this girl, right? Like these are some of the things that I've done. This proves that I am the sum of all evils. Right. And so like, it's, it's like little glimpses into these evil stories that, that are at the hand of the, of Lachnar. hmm
0: hmm
1: Yeah, and we started off with uh, with Harry Canyon, which we started talking about earlier. So yeah, Harry Canyon's a cab driver who picks up a very so. There's a big taxi driver influence. There's a mix of taxi driver and, like you said, Brent, film noir uh, happening here.
2: I mean, the dude doesn't even have a mohawk, like it's or or like he comes across. There's a character in this Mm -hmm. story that is like. Who tries to ride in the dude's taxi? He's got the mohawk. He looks like De Niro
1: from Taxi. Yeah, like it's purposeful. Yeah, but his but Harry Canyon could pretty much be Humphrey Bogart. Correct. Hmm. He's very much that kind of character. So, you know, seen it all, kind of been there, done that, veteran. Um, you know, but uh, willing to help. Not
2: shook by by any kind of. Yep hood trying to carjack him
1: yeah so we meet um you know here's sort of example of of teenage fantasy uh you know the first example of it but the the woman who jumps in his cab does she even have a name girl girl i think is the girl yeah yeah yeah.
2: (laughs) i think most of i think most of the females are credited in this as girl except for except for uh like the main rock star lady, Tarna yeah. at the end.
1: Well, yeah. In this segment, I think there's girl, there's whore, there's, you know, just none of them have <laughs> actually have names. So um yeah, and, and so what's what's the quick plot of uh what's happening in this segment?
3: Her dad has the Lochnar and uh but gangsters want it and they know what the power is and they're trying to hunt her down, I think, isn't that? Yeah. And uh she so she's trying to hide it and But then she, and then she wants to make a deal to get the, to, to sell it for big bucks. And, uh, and like these mobster types are, are after it and, and want it. And
1: so, uh, so Harry's protecting her, like Harry's willing to protect her and, and she immediately sleeps with him like immediately.
3: Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he, he just, he's like, they dump into her, her, his apartment and he just starts getting ready to go to sleep because that's, he's a working stiff. He's, he goes to bed you can sleep on the couch whatever he turns the light he doesn't even like look after Uh, and she like jumps into bed (laughs) Well, he
2: he tries to take her to the police officer like the police station and and they're like well it's going to cost you a thousand dollars for us to do this or twenty five hundred dollars to do that like there's a fee attached to any services from the from the police station so he like tosses him a dollar and says basically I'll do it on my own yeah yeah so yeah it's you know and like you know the
3: uh, mobsters uh, confront harry at a certain point like to be on his side or to be on their side right like sort of threaten him and then uh, so he has to make a choice and then she figures out how to let's do a deal and then there's a double cross and He's gotta he's gotta take care of business.
1: <laughs> yeah, and he's got this really cool disintegrator in the back of his cab that anyone yeah. who gets too rough, he can just disintegrate them.
3: Yeah. And when <laughs>
1: she turns on him, um it's that's that's what he's gotta do. He he yeah. doesn't hesitate to just say goodbye and uh evaporates her.
3: And then that was it. That was the end of our girl. <laughs> Yeah, Um,
1: I I did enjoy the ending. I do like the film noir taxi driver mix of, you know, thematically. I just like her character is uh, just weighs it down, you know, like that doesn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, starting off with a good soundtrack here that can or continues really veteran of the psychic wars by Blue Oyster Cult you got to love blue oyster cult you just have to uh true companion by down Fagan. blue lamp by stevie nicks open arms by journey come on yeah heartbeat by Riggs. i mean journey stevie nicks and blue oyster cult all in the same segment come get out of here
2: yeah they 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 blew a big chunk of their their soundtrack budget right there yeah
1: <laughs> um so what happens to the lochnar here where does it do, is there is it really clear what happened? This is one of those where it kind of doesn't connect to the next segment.
3: Yeah. You don't know what what it was sold, right? And so you don't yeah. know what happens to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
2: just know that it's still out there.
1: Right. But uh, we go to our next segment, Den, uh, led by the the voice of the late, great John Candy. Welcome back to the show. Yes. Uh, who is a, a teenager whose initials are D-E-N. So... In the fantasy world, he'll go by Den, uh, who picks up the, doesn't he find the the Lochnar?
3: Yeah, just a meteorite that's in the ground, and he races home. Adds it to his rock collection. Adds it to his collection, and he he knows. And he's the
1: nerd. He's the typical, like, nerd character. You know, skinny, skinny wimpy, like, glasses, no friends, right?
3: Kind of. Right. Uh, and then he's doing science experiments at home. He's trying to figure out like how to harness lightning, you know.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, um, which comes into play for him later. <laughs> yes. And uh, it, it, so, and yeah, and he's kind of got this like passive voice, you know. He's just like, oh, you know, wow, this is crazy. Whoa. But then when he, and then he, uh, with the lightning storm, the Lochnar sends him through the galaxy and. <laughs> He ends up in the the most like biggest jacked you know dude in in the world yeah. <laughs> in the universe. And then it's sort of very like, and it's and he sets off on sort of a Conan the Barbarian esque type adventure.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, but the and- whole thing, like this entire segment, is one that I just you know I have issues with. Like it, it's just like this whole thing is just the teenage fan boy fantasy.
2: No hair. Hmm. Big.
3: There was no way I was going to walk around this place with my
2: dork hanging out. It's <laughs> funny. Cause like when this first released this, this particular one is the one that got most of the like credit, like most of the, it got the most acclaim, I guess. Mm. I mean, it's just, it's like an ugly duckling story, but like yeah. for whatever reason, uh from the critics like this one was the one that they it seemed to resonate most with it's funny because it's not one of my favorites
1: yeah it feels the most surface level like it's just so obvious that it's yeah literally this teenage boy's fantasy uh we're experiencing it and who you know goes to this world where he uh, like has like again like immediately has sex with some beautiful with a beautiful lady and then later on the same day has sex with like the villainous uh, character, another beautiful lady just throwing themselves at him. And he's has his Arnold Schwarzenegger body now. Yeah.
3: Well, it's like, yeah, like he, the queen or whatever, or the villain, she's like, I might let you live if you please me. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, he has to, he's, he is uh forced to forced to have sex, but he's, he's uh, totally into it. Great. Does this, this I get to have sex twice in one day, <laughs> and I never had it before. Ever before, yeah. But the woman he saves does have a name. It's isn't it like Catherine, and she's from Sussex Rhode Island or something like that. No, she's like <laughs> <From> British. Rhode. <laughs> Rhode Island. Um. So at least we she had a name, but like you know, yeah. It's it's like pure child or pure juvenile, uh,
2: fantasy, uh. So, you know, take it or leave it, I
3: yeah.
0: guess. Yeah.
2: For my money, I'd rather watch Hunk, which uh, is 1987's Ugly Duckling story of uh, a dork who turns into a dreamy man and oh. and, and uh, makes a deal with the devil to go from Ugly Duckling to, to Hunk. Have you guys seen there that? It
1: was such a so. crazy movie. No, I've never, I know of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it ends with, uh, it ends with Den and Catherine, like riding into the sunset and they're going to stay in this place is called Neverwhere. Right. Mm-hmm, um, right. so they're going to stay there and, uh, you know, live out his, basically stay in his fantasy world and the Lochnar ends up like rising into the sky and, and lands on this space station where, where it's picked up by our next character. So this segment like does connect you know, to the next one, um, mm-hmm. which is called Captain Stern. Now, this segment, I actually really love this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a good time with Captain Stern.
3: This is a fun one. It's, it's there's you know, it, um, it's <laughs> Captain Stern who looks like you know he looks like a what you would think would be the heroic ca- like spaceship captain in your sci-fi pulp adventures, and he's on trial for. Like the worst things in the world, like the worst yeah like theft and piracy and
1: murder fraud and, and then
3: murder and rape yeah and and one moving violation
1: yeah, yeah. and he's just so yeah, cocky, cocky that he's he's gonna get off you know like he's gonna he's not gonna get convicted and, um this was uh this segment was written by Bernie Wrightson who actually had a Captain Stern wrote a whole captain stern, you know, comic book line. Oh, really? So yeah, this was a really faithful adaptation of that. So uh, now I actually really want to check out that, that comic. I'm not sure if it's still going, but um, uh, yeah. And when we get some great, uh, you know, more great voices here, Roger Bumpus doing a voice, Eugene Levy, uh, Joe Flaherty, both of them from, uh, from SCTV and uh the legendary John Vernon also returning from uh, Animal House. Yes. As I think he's the judge and the uh,
2: prosecutor, yeah.
1: Oh the prosecutor, yeah, yeah, But uh yeah, so so uh Roger Bumpus does the uh the voice of um
0: Hanover Fist
1: Hanover Fist, who is the one who finds the Lochnar and goes from this he's he's an eyewitness, uh that's gonna be the one who um basically he's going to bail out stern uh captain stern but he the lochnar like turns him into this basically like an evil incredible hulk right like a hulking beast yeah
2: Mm -hmm. while he's on the stand
1: who turns on stern chases him through you know this whole chase sequence through the space station and uh you know when when he corners Stern, I, I really like this ending. It's got you know a, a couple of twists where he corners Stern and Stern uh, just gives him it's just the two of them, and he gives him the payoff, and Hanover Fist shrinks back down to his uh previous uh, kind of scrawny form, and then Stern just opens a trap door and just ejects him into space. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a lot of a lot of fun on <laughs> it, this. One. It's
3: such a it's so silly. It's just so silly. I don't know. It is. It is. Like why would Lochnar want he's just causing chaos, chaos and stuff, but like wouldn't he like want to make would wouldn't he wanna like make Stern more powerful or something? <laughs> or yeah. I don't even know. It's just, just like why does he infect the guy who gets getting the payoff? It's kind of yeah. silly.
1: And and now um. Stern has no interest in the Lochnar, like it, like that just doesn't even yeah occur to him to take that or no? um so yeah i and uh we've got reach out by cheap trick here on the soundtrack and and we end with hanover fist's hand still clutching the lochner as it like plummets to earth yeah now this is this is where a deleted segment was which um i think was on the yeah, vhs uh, and the, n- yeah on the dvd
2: it was at the end so it wasn't cut into the to the scene right but this is where it was supposed to have gone yeah it's called Neverwhere land was the name of the segment Mm -hmm. and it kind of bridged between um stern and b-17 which is the next and it
1: it had the you know the the song time by pink floyd you know kind of ran throughout and it's just was I don't even know if the animation was fully finished, but it was. It was,
2: it was like rough animated, yeah. like animatics. So,
1: yeah. And it's just showing like what, you know, when the hand lands on this planet, you know, what it does over time and how anything that comes near it, it, die, you know, turns evil and dies.
2: Yeah. So basically, I guess from, from where he lands, uh, Lachnar lands in a like some water and we see around that water, kind of the springing up and and rise of the industrial age and into the world war mm-hmm. and then that leads into b-17 which is you know the next world it's you know picks up in a world war two bomber
1: yeah this is probably my favorite segment absolutely 100 yeah. percent. b-17 Again,
3: is my favorite i knew yeah. you
1: guys would love this one. And yeah
3: I, it's, written, it's good it's, good. it's very good
1: Written by Dan O'Bannon again and yeah. yeah, very much has that alien and Return of the Living Dead. Like it, it's kind of a mix of both of those. Like you can see Yeah. You can see him in this clearly.
2: Well and the zombies like kinda remind me sort of like the animations from Tales from the Crypt or like or Creep Show, you know, mm-hmm. like it has that kind of aesthetic to it. And so yep. yeah, like I really I really enjoyed this one.
3: There's something about there's something about walking skeletons with that are they're not they're not fully skeletons, but they the remains on them like don't look anything like human tissue, so they're just grotesque at all times. And there there is something to that, like that adds a level to to that that kind of zombie. Like you know, there's like the only the only semblance of humanity is the, the the shape of it, not like even you know. The old cl- like clothing or whatever—it's like it's just gory, gross. It's kind of—it's a great design,
1: you know. Yeah, it, and it's gruesome too. This sequence—I mean, it, it, we're following this B seventeen bomber over what World War Two, something mm-hmm. like that. We're assuming some—you know—somewhere mm-hmm. in that zone, and uh, we see most of the crew. We watch them get shot and killed, you know, as as they're they're being sort of pummeled by bullets and. And we're following the pilot and the co-pilot. Everyone else in the back had, you know, within the first like minute or minute and a half of this segment is shot and killed in in pretty gruesome ways. And uh, we see as the co-pilot goes to the back to kind of check out what's happening back there, we see the orb uh, arrive and follow the B-17. And as it enters and takes over, It reanimates all the dead crew members. And this poor co-pilot who's just kind of like, doesn't even know what he's in for, uh, gets essentially torn apart, Um, but we do see his skeleton, uh, you know, right after that. So, uh, and then we, you know, then it's up to the pilot who opens the door and sees what's happened uh, to escape, right? Right. And I think and it's got another, you know, downer ending, but uh very memorable.
2: Yeah. I mean, he crashes on an island and finds like a grave like a an airplane graveyard and there's all sorts of other wrecked planes with zombies and airmen and all that stuff. It's pretty awesome, dude. Like yeah. this one's really it's like just good. Yeah. it's just really good and I don't it, know for, for whatever reason like it also like it just hits a lot of different things that I like resonate with me like it's kind of like you know it's got the Tales from the Crypt kind of aesthetic and all that kind of stuff with the zombies but also like I'm the B-17 aspect and like kind of takes me back to like Memphis Bell or yeah and amazing stories recently, like right amazing stories or even recently like I don't know if you guys saw the movie Overlord with Wyatt Russell, but like, just like kind of things that, you know, like all of them, I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of reminds me of this and that. I mean, obviously this is way before Overlord, but it's like, it just brings it all together for me. I don't know. This one was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's just- I would like to
2: see, I I would like to see a feature length version live action movie of, of that.
1: Yeah. It's it's like simple yet ruthless. You know there's like there's really yeah. no hope for these two characters and 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 it, they both, you know, very quickly get killed and you know it ends with the pilot we assume getting killed by, you know, a horde of zombies. So uh, Yeah,
3: He yeah. survives yeah. a zombie attack on his plane and lands on an island of zombies. Well, yeah, <laughs> like <yeah. laughs> shoot. Yep.
2: <laughs> Man, almost. Yeah. Couldn't get an issue here.
1: Yeah. Uh, and this, like, this was the segment when I first saw it. Like, really disturbed me. It was just, there's no upside. Like, just, ne- just, just negative downer. Everybody's dead. Yeah. End of end of segment.
2: Moving on. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if the first time I saw this, like, I recalled seeing this segment. Like, I don't, I don't. It may have been the first. Uh, the I mean, I, I don't rec like I don't recall seeing it.
1: Wow. Uh, and we've got heavy metal taking a ride by Don Felder as, as the, uh, you know, as the music. But a lot of uh, yeah. Elmer Bernstein happening in this segment. So and there's mm-hmm. this was the one that really felt like it had some Ghostbusters cues or very close to it. Yeah. So which makes sense. Yep. Um, all right, no, and that, that leads to so beautiful My at least favorite. <laughs> yeah, so beautiful and so dangerous. A lot of issues this
2: one's in this just one. Weird. This is like if the Jetsons was like a porn, and I'm just like, (laughs) I don't know. It just doesn't work for me. I'm not into it. This one was just kind of weird.
1: Yeah. How does the Loch connect from B-17 to this? Is is there a connection, or is it just we kind of move on?
2: I think we just kind of move on. Yeah,
1: I, I, I don't think there's a link.
2: I'm trying to remember right now. I mean, it's like we see oh. the Achnar on this locket, right? That's right. But like she has, yeah. She's like we locket. don't ever know how it how it went from B seventeen to, to here. Right. It's just a passage
1: of time. Yeah. So but, but this, it, it is
2: but it is the Pentagon, so there's a military passage of time, right? So yeah, I guess one could take the leap that at some point they find their old warplanes and I don't know yeah collect yeah and debris and, some... and items and artifacts
3: and she was dating one of the the guys who found it and made a lock it out of it and maybe it yeah maybe uh, because she's sure. like just she's just taking notes like in this meeting uh where they're trying to figure out if aliens exist
1: and and she, but this time she has a name it's gloria uh, it is Gloria voiced by alice platon yes, yes. And this segment was actually written by Angus McKee, who also had a comic uh, also, you know, called So Beautiful and So Dangerous. So it's the same author wrote the comic, also writes this segment. And is this comic about a robot who just is? Yeah, I mean, I think this feels like an adult version of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This, um,
2: the, Yeah, OK, I, I get that.
3: So, okay, I, a...
1: right. I mean, it feels like that's what we're doing here, but a little bit. Yeah, there's like
3: a level of absurdity to the whole thing and it's silly and uh, and but sexy. Yeah. <laughs> and... I mean,
1: you got you've got robots and, you know, this Gloria like having sex with with uh with one of the robots, right? And and yeah. or with the robot and uh we've got but we've got like sexual assault happening here mm-hmm. with with uh the Dr. Anrak character who I think she's works for in the beginning when it starts right
3: well he comes to the pentagon to, oh, yeah, to yeah. show his expertise and then <laughs> the the lochner activates him and he try, yeah he just like tries to assault her on the conference room table and then the aliens come and scoop him up because he was all he was he was a robot the whole time and she came she came with so it's like she is she's drawing robots in <laughs> <laughs> like Some, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's it is, and then you know you've got the other crew like the other part of the crew who essentially is just like do heavy drugs so they can like I don't know pilot their pilot the, the ship home and yeah I don't know.
0: It's and weird. we've got I mean
1: the voices here. John Candy's back again, Harold Ramis yeah. is doing a voice, Eugene Levy's doing a voice, Joe Yeah, yeah it's the whole gang. Yeah, it's the Andrew whole gang. Roger Bumpus is back again, too. Yeah. That's but it's TV like gang weird. Gang. Yeah. And then it's just this, you know, the like the Dr. Enric gets killed very quickly uh, once they uh or he's like torn apart, right? As as he gets pulled through the machine. Yeah. Or gets and sucked the, up mm-hmm. into the ship.
3: Yeah. And I think the junk candy robot's like I can I, you know how long it's going to take me to fix him or something. Yeah. So, you know, he's not really a I, I don't know. It's it's he's the reason she's on the ship because yeah. he tried to attack her and he got scooped up like to go back to the but like how i icon- like i remember that ship though that that round yeah mm-hmm. it's like it's that smiley face ship uh it's kind of like an iconic image and and i don't know it's got that it's got that 3d painted look to it mm-hmm. like yeah with all the gradients and and all of that like it just like has that that style to the to the exterior of it that yeah. I, I really i thought was cool
1: yeah um yeah it's just but as a
3: story like it's my least interesting the the least most it's the least interesting one and it's problematic and it's just not it's not as fun as it and i think the 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 juvenile joy isn't quite there as like the other stuff is yeah yeah Yeah. that's
2: a good way to put it yep you know
3: but you know it can't all be home runs
2: no but i feel like this one and the next one are probably my two least favorite of of them the next one is the next not... one's the
3: big the big one yeah well i
2: know it's the most famous like it's the one with tarna on the cover and all tarna that stuff rules. like it's <laughs> like rocks. a weird like Beastmaster kind of out like i don't know man like it doesn't talk it's, yeah. it's like super fantasy i guess and it's like not really my bag
1: but, but before before we get to that i guess just the, the mute yeah. the soundtrack on so beautiful so oh yeah sorry we got songs by Grand Funk Railroad, Cheap Trick again, Nazareth, Don Felder again, Trust, and sammy heavy metal by Sammy Hagar. So um huge uh, yeah. soundtrack. In some of the
2: section. music in here never re- like some of the music in here never released.
1: Yeah, like
2: because the soundtrack was was like kind of tied up with with all the different royalties and licenses, or whatever for for all the other bands, like. I don't know that the Sammy Hagar song ever made it out
1: in besides public it. or maybe it's yeah. not
2: this song, but some of the, yeah. Besides like the release of this.
1: Yep. Yeah. Some of these just like only are strictly on the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. So anyway, but back to Tarna. So Tarna. So then we, we end up with, uh, is there, a, is there another link from so beautiful and so dangerous to Tarna or are we just kind of shifting gears again with the Lochnar?
2: Well, no, because now the Lochnar's like a huge yeah. meteor, right? right? So, no, I, it's it's whatever it needs to be for the next story.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah. think so. This one also has that. Um, I was going to say a female version of Conan kind of story, but would that be would that be like a Red Sonia? I was going to
2: say like a Red Sonia. Yeah.
1: yeah uh yeah i mean it's like it feels like this segment could be its own movie and it's not you know Barbarella. wildly different from den you know there's yeah, a, there's a lot of right. similarities structure wise for the story here but it feels like it, it felt like this went on uh, i'm not sure the running times but it felt like this went on a little bit longer
2: yeah, this is like the final, I mean, because this leads right into the finale, right? Yeah, like it's, yeah. so yeah, it's, I think it is kind of the, yeah, the longer one. Right. It's,
3: it's Yeah, it's like, it's like 20 plus minutes easily.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a but huge still story. like a lot of teenage <laughs> and you, you the, boy fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. And you get to,
3: you know, you fly with them on the, with her on the mountain. Like the, it's all, yeah. it's all quiet. It's all silent. Like it's, yeah, uh, you know, she doesn't talk. She's not narrating anything for us. Uh, we get to see her, you know, I don't know. She's on this journey to, she was called to do this or whatever. Like, we don't know the backstory, but we know that like, this is something she is destined to do or something, you yeah. know? Well, uh, she's pretty cool I don't know I like her I like Tarna you, you like her
1: <laughs> so the Lochnar like crashes into this this volcano and and you know erupts this green slime right over this this group of people who had come to look and turns them into this like barbarian army right yeah mm-hmm. and and then then the army invades like this you know na- i guess town or whatever city of peaceful scholars and just slaughters everybody
3: yeah they take over
1: yeah uh, and the right. scholars are trying to reach out to the tarakians who are like their protectors uh to come <laughs> rescue them but they're all dead except tarna right except tarna or except yeah, tarna, as
2: as- tarna yeah. is the
1: last hope yeah so tarna is the last tarakian and she's and gotta wear she's some gotta... strappy leather like <laughs> yeah like thing barely wearing anything
2: yeah the
3: outfit is obviously like you know not it's it's part of the power fantasy thing but yeah uh but it's no different than red Sonia or conan stuff i mean sure yeah she's not thrusting her naked boobs out into at everyone she's wearing she's covered you know like she's
1: just barely covered that's all yeah
3: I'm not saying like it's better or worse. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying. it's. I think you're making a statement. I think it's no better. more, it's no more offensive than any of the other shit we've seen with the, the, these warrior type things. I've never no, seen Red Sonia. Is it close to the story of Red um, Sonja?
1: I just watched it's... it last year for the first time. Mm-hmm. For the first time? Or maybe second. First time, you know, in a long time. Uh, Doesn't she is... wear a lot of rabbit skin? Like, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. It's, yeah. uh. Yeah. it's, not good. It's not yeah. good. But
3: um, but but this is a Conan Arnold, story. Arnie's, Arnold's Arnie's in, it.
1: in it. He's not Conan. Everyone thinks yeah, he's Conan he in it, but he's, ba- he's basically Conan. He's Conan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just
2: couldn't pay him Conan pay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Tarna has to, uh, you know, save the people and, and restore peace to the city and, you know, fight off the barbarian army. So we get some we had some pretty gruesome, you know death scenes uh here yeah but uh yeah and then then it uh um, it um and again we get uh music by black sat a couple of songs by black sabbath and and devo here uh but this is what ends up linking to the the epilogue What what happens in the epilogue
3: well it's because of what tarna did that like uh like
2: Boom um goes to the farmhouse. He di- yeah. He has to
3: die. Like so, and the girl, the girl lives and kind of becomes like like she's like the next version of the that kind of protector, right? Like yeah, well, she becomes yeah. so
1: so Tarna's soul ends up, you know, also fighting off the Lochnar. That the, the Lochnar explodes and the house, the farmhouse explodes and Tarno's soul kind of is reborn in this young girl who becomes the new Terrakian.
3: Yeah. And like that house is interesting. Cause like it's, it's this drawn house. Um, but then when it, when Lochnar is destroyed and he explodes, they explode a model. Uh, well,
2: yeah, it's, it's, they didn't get to do the rotoscoping.
1: Right. And, <laughs>
3: <laughs> so they just
1: used the they yeah just they pulled used the release date up so they had no time to do it yeah but so like they, i didn't
3: even know i wouldn't have thought that the house was rotoscope from an original but then it's like oh well and then they so but to, to get that wow you know it, it was going to explode and boom goes the model and uh, model yeah. by the way one of my favorite characters from uh fiddler on the roof uh <laughs> <laughs> so, but like that always seemed weird. But then, yeah, looking into it, that it was like, oh, it was just a, it was a time issue. But yeah, we we're gonna. I would have loved to see that rotoscoped. Although mm-hmm. it was very, it was very smoky. So you almost they, they would have had to like invent some a lot of pieces, I think. In that.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, they that's can what draw it. whatever they want on top of the the film, right? Yeah. So it's. Yeah. 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 But so that's pretty funny.
3: Um, it, but it kind of fits too, even with like the with the, with the rotoscoping of the cards like it's sort of it all looks real kind it uh, sort of looks real
2: yeah you can like almost see the real underneath like it's like yeah yeah so uh
1: yeah
3: and then that's it we uh, we've got a new hero
1: yeah we yeah. do and, and, and we go off done. with uh working in a coal mine by by Devo. yeah yeah like, there we like, go that's what? the, you, that, the only
3: that's the only song i recognized
2: from. <laughs> really No, you had to recognize the Journey song, right? Oh, "Open Arms" by Journey. Get get out of here, David. Well,
3: I mean that. Yeah, everybody knows that one. (laughs) Like, I
2: mean, when you say something like it's the oldest song, I
3: I only know top forty shit. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know these 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 songs. I guess Uh, I knew some of that Black Sabbath. I don't know. Anyway,
1: so that's so that's the the story. Um, Should we? Well, let's talk a little box office glory and then we'll come around to the, uh, kind of the disappearance and re-emergence of, uh, of this one. Heavy metal releases August 7th, 1981. It had a $9.3 million budget, uh, opening weekend. It did 3.2 million. It, uh, so not mm. too bad. It uh, opens against an eye for an eye and student bodies. Um, it debuted actually at number four. So, you know, crack the top five, but uh, it's uh, between Tarzan, the Ape man and stripes. So it's, uh, you know, fighting uh, it's Ivan Reitman against Ivan Reitman that week.
2: Mm. He's digging it out with himself.
1: Yeah. But I mean, look at, look at what was number one and number two, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Empire Strikes Back. So, uh, not going to beat those. Yeah. Not going to beat those, you know, obviously we know that the level of movies, those are iconic, legendary, uh, super hits. So, no. um, to say the least it, uh, so it ends up doing heavy metal ends up doing $19.5 million domestically. So, you know more than doubles its uh its budget so that's a hit it's uh the number 39 movie of 1981 between outland and mommy dearest so it's <sighs> david you're talking top 40 heavy metal is a top 40 movie
3: top 40 hit absolutely i get it
1: <laughs> um yeah and we get for the for the release we get that that iconic poster who's uh drawn by illustrator Chris Akaleos I think if I'm pronouncing I'm probably pronouncing it wrong but uh mm. yeah with with Tarna on her her steed and and that's the uh kind of iconic image for the movie.
3: Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. It's a great poster.
1: Um it ends up uh hitting HBO. Maybe that's where I saw it cuz it was on HBO in um 1983 and 91. So maybe right. that was maybe it was that 91 airing, which is where I caught it. But, uh, and then it's all the music rights that hold it up that it's, um, you know, a a lot of things in the eighties before music rights were a big, big thing, Mm -hmm. um, used whatever they wanted and as home video became a bigger thing and that, that circled back around and things like, like Miami vice, it took forever for that show to come out on DVD because, they had to work out all the rights issues for all the music or at least most of the music. Some, I think some of them, they just cut, but, um, yeah, and this is no different. So it ends up like we talked about coming out in 96. And, but in that whole time period, just like how I saw it, other people saw it, knew of it, but could, had no access to it. So it right. builds this cult status and then, uh, you know again it wasn't a big home video it wasn't a big highly advertised release on home video so you kind of just had to know it was out there and and uh but they capitalized on the cult status popularity of it with heavy metal 2000 which we talked about already but garbage yeah not oh, uh bummer it's i mean i really i mean I like the anthology stuff, yeah, I think I really if they do. would have
2: kept it in anthology, it would have been fine, but like yeah. there's no connection to it at all
1: yeah there's and that that just feels weird, like why wouldn't you have linked I mean the Lochnar was actually a great character and narrator for the movie, and why would you yeah. not just come back to that? I don't know, yeah. You could have had Miguel Ferrer do the voice of it and and this time, and it would have been <laughs> fantastic. Come on. <laughs> uh, all right. So, you know, we've kind of talked about it already, but um, so what are the pluses that you guys, what, what what worked for you? B17. The whole segment, B17.
2: B17 worked for me really well, and I think they did a really bang-up job Doing a fifteen-minute or ten-minute fully encompassed noir story with Harry Canyon. Yeah, like I thought that that was pretty impressive. Like it hit all the like beats.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't you can't beat that. Uh, you know that's a that's a great conti- great kicking off to the whole thing too, right? Because it's got a. It, um, a grungy sci-fi feel you know and then it, it's it's the, the movie's just gonna get weirder from there <laughs> like, um but it's a yeah it's a it's a great story b-17's good i'm a big fan den is pretty works pretty well for what i care for that type of story you know very I, I i don't you know i after watching conan and doing that with you guys and i don't know like I kind of get it. Like <laughs> I get these sort of the power fantasy like mm. yeah like silliness of it. And it it shouldn't be Thought to be, I'm not necessarily laughing at it, but I'm just sort of enjoying like, oh, they they're having fun doing this. So mm-hmm. the den and tarna stuff kind of work for me. Like <laughs> that okay. all that stuff's cool. I like the adventure idea, you know. It's just yeah. like, you know, but uh yeah, that, that's that's the stuff. That's those are my, my bigger ones.
1: Yeah. I like the, you know, the, the concept of the anthology story. I think that worked. I like the Loch Nahr as your device. Um, yeah. really liked, that's great. you know, like we talked soft landing. Great. Uh, B 17. Great. So loving all the Dan yep. O'Bannon stuff. Um, you know, for me it's, and, and, and the noir side of the Harry Canyon story. Uh, I had fun with captain Stern, but the others, I'm just, you know, David, I, I have a, different opinion opinion than you about uh dan and uh so beautiful so dangerous just really uh having a hard time with those and just the general treatment of women i mean it's uh oh i'm not
3: yeah i don't like so beautiful or so dangerous yeah yeah uh, and uh again i it's like i don't condone it like i don't again and i don't even like i don't know i don't know if i would in Again, like there's segments of this that I would watch, but others I wouldn't like. in the Stern one was funny, I guess. Like it's it's fun. Like it's it's. I don't really get it as an actual story. <laughs> what do you? But
1: well, what do you think of modern audience? So, so an audience just coming to this for the first time. What do you think they're? How do you think they're going to walk away from it? Are they going to enjoy this movie, or are they going to have issues, or both?
3: Yeah, I think I don't think I, I think it's harder and harder to get new fans of this.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, um, I mean, because of like, let's see what David Fincher in 2008 was trying to like reboot this thing. Mm -hmm. Right. And it got all tied up in production hell, but eventually him and Tim Miller made Love, Death and Robots, which is basically their version of this for Netflix. You know, and Mm. I think there's a lot of people that really like that. Series on Netflix. And I think if you really like that series on Netflix, you're going to do a little bit of research and probably figure out that it's, you know, directly related to his attempts to try and reboot heavy metal. And I think you're going to watch it. And I think you're going to find that if you watch this, you're going to see, you know, like, I don't know, like with Harry Canyon, I think it's really well done for me, there's a lot of that in, in Harry Canyon that reminds me of like the fifth element, you know? And so like the fifth element, like at that, like you feel its influences kind of in a bunch of other things, like once you start to like get into it. So I don't know, like, I I do think that there's, it's problematic. I think people are going to like watch it and like us, they're going to watch some and they're going to be like, oh, that was pretty good. And some are like, oh, that's garbage. But that's the whole fun thing about anthologies is like, any one of them that you watch, because I'm a big fan of like a lot of the horror anthologies that they do, and it's like some of them are really, really awesome, and some of them are terrible. Like right? Tales but, from the
1: Dark Side,
2: Tales from the Yeah, that's one. Or, yeah. you know, I mean creep you, show.
1: Creep Shows is a good, a, you know, creep good a-
2: show, even more recently, is like trick or treat, or you know, you can do the ABCs of murder, VHS. Like, there's a bunch of like different or ABC's a Halloween, I think is what it is, but there's a bunch of different ones. And it's like, you know, some of them are great and some of them are crappy. And mm-hmm. I think I think that anybody who likes some of this more contemporary stuff that's been influenced by, by heavy metal would go back and watch this and, and find the same thing. Like some of them are good and well-made and some of them don't hold up. You know, you have to go in with an understanding that it's from kind of an 80s centric, you know, there's going to be some, dated stuff in there because it's the 80s and and you know like things have changed a little bit but i don't know i think i think people would still enjoy it don't I, watch 2000
1: yeah exactly. i definitely skip that how big I would are the say if you want to watch an ivan reitman thing this would not be at the top of the list no definitely
2: no
3: god no definitely not <laughs> just watch his movies you directed yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how big are the boobs in love death and robots there are some
2: and how frequent sure
3: how but are they are
0: they
2: i mean no they're more natural
3: oh they're more natural okay.
2: <laughs> i mean like i haven't seen all of love death and robots but i have seen a couple you know and it's like yeah, yeah it's you know it's the same
0: it's, it's
2: sci-fi uh, sci-fi inspired you know mm-hmm. like there's not a Lochnar through line like there yeah. like there was because you know again like i think ultimately robert rodriguez bought the rights to heavy metals so i don't know that oh. tim miller and david fincher could actually use heavy metal as the thing but the project that they were working on to be the heavy metal reboot transformed into love death and robots you know so i think mm-hmm. robert rodriguez was trying to make his own thing and i don't think he's related i don't think he's associated with the yeah love, i don't, death I don't and robot stuff i don't so. believe so
1: yeah
2: but that was like 2014 he bought the rights and that I, you know nothing's come of it so
1: yeah well i <laughs> think you're right though i think i think this movie has an influence i think um you know there are filmmakers like you've already listed that are that are. You can see that that they've seen this and they're you know maybe lifting some things from it. Uh, there's a couple things that work. There's obviously things that don't work and don't age well and sure. um,
2: all over the place. Yeah,
1: all over. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Really. All over. Yeah. So, um, but if you uh, if you want to pick it up and uh, take a look back at it. Maybe try your local video store. Uh, support physical media and get out there. If you're in Southern California, check out Video Tech in South Pasadena or soon Videots in uh, in uh, Eagle Rock. So uh, check those out or wherever you've got your local video store. So don't forget to give support. Sup- help support them. Yes, Absolutely. definitely do that. But all right. So we've looked at our first animated film. I think maybe down the road when we come back to animation maybe we'll we'll go the other direction maybe we'll take a look at something not quite so harsh and uh,
2: I don't know I think this is you know I was dreading it but ultimately I think this this one works really well for for, for us. but uh, yeah, yeah it's a right kind
1: of movie for yeah for our show yes yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: but there's probably others we could we could take it like plenty we'll of I would love to do secret in them which is also part of uh, kind of the that 1980s departure from Disney group, uh, you know Don Bluth and his group uh, making yeah, that. Darn, that was yeah, that was good. a real yep. competitor when it came out.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, we definitely let's put it on the list. Yeah, just got to work in on the it. time. So, um, well, great. Well, uh, thanks guys for uh, for traveling down the, the animation our, our first trip down the animation road and, and looking okay. forward to more uh, of course you can check out uh, check us out on social media we're podcast on Instagram and Twitter and uh, check out our, our uh, archives at reconsideration.com I don't think I plugged anything this week did I? I mean you can certainly check out no, we don't ha- Animal we House don't. <laughs> which we covered in the archives at reconsiderationcom. We don't have any
2: other animated uh, pot, we, movies that we've done.
1: No, so, no, just we do have, you know, one Ivan Reitman thing in there. So we got that. But uh, uh, yeah, and a uh, quick thank you and shout out to our friends. Uh, check out E.K. Wimber, who does our theme music. And, and check out his podcast, Laser Graves. Thank you to Curtis Moore for the poster. And uh, we've got, we're, we're going a different direction next episode. We're going a little more family friendly. Yeah. A little more, a little, more. A little, more. A little more. Yeah, for the first time in a while, at least, uh, <laughs> that we're gonna we're gonna do a somewhat of a family film. So stay tuned for that because since adventures in babysitting, <laughs> I guess. Oh, you know, right, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we so haven't done that many, so. so many months ago.
1: Yeah, but uh, so stay so. tuned for that, and uh, we will see you next time on Reconsumation.
0: Take care. Bye now.
3: If you don't play, if I were a rich man, as the outro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um.
3: <laughs> i I when the model exploded in the movie and I'm like, oh that model. And I, I immediately thought of model from Fiddler on the Roof for some reason. Because <laughs> there's a whole song about how model was arrested or something. That's in, so funny. Uh I, and I'm like my
2: kids, my kids could sing it to you, I bet. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> have you received
3: a letter that model was arrested for doing I, I don't know. I don't remember. I remember it very clearly. And I was like, "Huh, model." Well, I should mention Fiddler, and then I'm like, "Wait, what other characters are in Fiddler?" And I like, per chick, I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna mention chicks." Now I just got to figure <laughs> out a, how do I say per chick, and that was it. That was like, I, there's no third. There wasn't a third one, so that's why I brought up just Fiddler in the very beginning. So at least I got <laughs> my, funny. I got my you got your of Fiddler, Fiddler in. in.
0: Yeah,
2: you did. You definitely got Fiddler, and so, that's good. I'll bring in a new audience.
3: This is the I, this is the silliness that like that's the thing. This fucking movie is so silly. These giant boobs, like ridiculous. That's why I keep wrenching them because it's like this is the the dumbest thing. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, it's way way <laughs> gratuitous.
3: And it's like, and because it's animated, I don't have that as big of a problem than, uh, you know, women nude on film like it really, like- that way. Yeah, Yeah, it's drawn. It's not a real person.